we're going to take a we're going to take a few weeks to look at um, this visit that that Jesus came to the earth and he lived his life. We know he died on the cross for our sins. We're going to look this week at the announcement of his uh, birth and his arrival. We're going to look next week at the reaction of the different ones who heard this announcement that Jesus was coming. Um, of course, the week of Christmas, we're going we're gonna to look at the, the arrival. We're going to look at the visit. What did it mean when Jesus came uh, to the earth, when he arrived? And then the last week this month, Lord willing, we're going to have some reflections of, uh, of the Christmas season. And uh, so I invite you to, to come and we're going to um, look at those things during this month. So um, that's kind of the, that's the plan for the next few weeks. So Christmas, time of celebration, isn't it? How many of you guys have a, a, some sort of celebration plan? Family, friends, um, may, have anybody been to a Christmas party already? We had, we had a, a staff party this week. We had a great time. Um, we, we all kind of know how it works, right? Somebody decides there's going to be a party, and then they invite the people they want to come to the party, Right, and so this in our day and age is maybe even just a text. Hey, we're getting together on this date. Do you want to come? Could be a phone call. Um, you know, could be a little bit more formal. Maybe there was invitation sent, and you get the invitation in some form or fashion. You respond and say, "Yes, I'll be there." You plan to attend. Well, have you ever had somebody crash a party that you've held? Like you're hosting the party. And somebody walks in and you look at your husband or your wife and you're like, did, did you? Did I, I didn't. Did. But there they are, right? And so they, they're, they're there and you're just going to enjoy the time with them. Um, Jesus didn't wait for an invitation when he came to earth. Now, he, his coming was announced ahead of time. But it wasn't, God didn't say, call up Mary and Joseph and say, hey, I've got an idea. What do you think? Right? He told them how it was going to happen. And so we're going to look this morning at how uh, Christ's visit, I'm calling it his visit, but his, his arrival on earth in, in human fleshly form, um, how did that come to be? We're going to look at that together. So let's pray, and then we're going to look, at, um, look in Luke chapter 1 to start this morning. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful that you chose to send your son Jesus to this earth. Uh, Lord, just in just really in awe and just humbled to think uh, the ramifications of that as he lived a perfect life and willingly went to the cross to die for our sins, Lord. It's changed my life. It's changed the life of so many here this morning and uh, throughout, the, throughout history. It's, it's changed lives, Lord. And we just look forward to your continued work in our lives and in the lives of the ones that we, we know. And so as we Look at the announcement of, the, of when you were coming to earth to, to live uh, a, a human life for, for a number of years. Lord, would you just guide our thoughts, uh, guide us in your word, help us to understand the truths that we're going to read. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We don't really know too much about Mary. Um, there, there, there's some information given in scripture, we, we know that amount, but we get introduced to Mary in um, Luke chapter, chapter 1, verse 26. We're just going to jump right into it this morning. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. So this is, this is uh, God's messenger, came to Mary. Uh, Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. 
and the virgin's name was Mary. So we have, we have Mary and Joseph. They are betrothed, uh, which is another word for engaged. And they are um, living in the city of Nazareth. And we see that they are of the line of David. So if they were to follow their family tree back far enough, they would see that, they, that King David was one of their um, immediate ancestors. So the angel came to Mary and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. I think it's important. We'll just stop for a second. Greetings, O favored one. And when it says that um, Mary was a favored one, or maybe in your translation it says highly favored, it means one who has been given grace. Uh, there's, there's some misguided teaching, I believe, about Mary and her perfection and, and her, her, her role in, in Jesus' birth and, and uh, her, her sinlessness. But this says that she was the one that was given grace, this word highly favored. Uh, we'll look at 29. But Mary, she was greatly troubled at the saying. All right, would you, wouldn't you be? Teenage girl, an angel arrives. Like she doesn't even have uh, TV, movies, you know, where they, where all this, you, you can, what is it, CGI, you know, like all these things that you watch on TV. No one's been to the moon yet. You know, she doesn't have electricity in her house, but she's got an angel. So she was greatly troubled, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Very understandable response. So the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. This word favor, is, again, it's this word grace that we've been talking about in First Peter. This, uh, you have found undeserved merit, unearned favor, um, kindness, generosity. Not, not Mary giving this to the world, but this is what God has given to Mary. This is the message. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, if the, the account just stopped right there, we would have a miracle on our hands, right? A, a, a virgin is going to conceive. She doesn't, her and Joseph were engaged. They had not known each other yet. Um, but just the fact that the angel would come and predict she was going to have a baby, it was going to be a boy, and his name would be Jesus, we would have a miracle right there, but it, it gets better. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Now, as you read through the Old Testament, you see God being referred to as the Most High. It's one of the, the, the names or titles of God in the, in the Old Testament. So he's essentially saying, he will be called the Son of God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. All right, we've already identified that Mary was of the lineage of David. So this angel saying to Mary, you're, going to have a, you're, you're not even engaged yet. You're going to have a son. His name will be Jesus. And he will be given the throne of his father, David. Miracle after miracle here. Next verse. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and, it, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Could you imagine being Mary? You're going to have a son. His name will be Jesus. They'll call him the son of God, and he will rule and reign forever on the throne of David. This is a, a miraculous announcement. It wasn't what Mary was planning. <laughs> I don't know what she was planning, but it wasn't this. But the angel stepped in and said, hey, this is, this is how it's going to be. It was an unannounced visit that she had from this angel. So I wonder how she broke the news to Joseph. 
We know that she did, right? So I'm thinking, um, okay, if Mary's going to play this smart, she's going to go to Joseph right away and say, hey, you won't believe this, but this is what happened, right? I don't know what she did, though. Did she wait until she was, like, pregnant and starting to show a little bit and, and say, uh, hey, Joseph, we got to talk? <laughs> I don't know, but somehow Joseph found out because we look in Matthew chapter 1, uh, and we see that Joseph has found out that Mary is pregnant, and it says he's an honorable man. He doesn't want to put her to shame, so he's just going to kind of quietly take care of it. So let's look at this together. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. This is Matthew's account. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. We haven't looked at what Mary's reaction really was to the angel. Uh, we're not looking at Joseph's reaction. We'll look at those next week. Uh, but it continues. As he considered these things, he's thinking about, how am I going to handle this situation? Get out with his pride. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Joseph's like, okay. That's what she said, too. <laughs> Maybe there's something to this. Maybe she's not making this up. She will bear a son. And you'll call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Okay, this is additional information. The angel told Mary that, this, that her son would sit on the throne of David forever. The angel's telling Jesus, or excuse me, Joseph, his name would be Jesus, and he will save his people from his sins. Who could save anyone from their sins? Just got to be God. So she, the angel said to Mary, he will be the son of God. He's saying to Joseph, he'll save his people from their sins. Now, if you're Joseph hearing these things, you're probably thinking to yourself, man, I was a little hard on Mary. You know, it sounds like what she's saying is true. And now, who knows what, how that conversation went. But they, they, neither one of them were asking for this. Neither one of them we're planning this. This was God arriving in their lives, unannounced, uninvited, but with a plan for them. So let's, um, let's consider this. Is this really, though, the first announcement of this coming baby Jesus? Is this, is this the first time that we hear that baby Jesus is coming? Not really. Maybe most direct, but when we look in the Old Testament... Every book in the Old Testament is pointing towards a Messiah who is coming. And we're going to look at a little bit of that this morning. Um, in a way to encourage you, I want to um, use this time to, to say, look, the Bible is true from cover to cover, from beginning to end. And when we look at the uh, prediction and the prophecy of the coming Messiah and then see it take place in the New Testament, it can be... Uh, very encouraging and very helpful to bolster our faith. So, you'll remember after Jesus died on the cross, he rose after the third day, there were two men walking on the road to Emmaus, and they were discussing the events that had taken place. And Jesus came along with them and was walking with them, and, uh, and he said, hey, what are you guys talking about? 
And, and they looked at him and said, are you the only person in Jerusalem that doesn't know what just happened? And so they told him the prophet Jesus, uh, how great a man he was. He was a great teacher. He had been killed. And they talk, they're talking about him uh, being raised from the dead. This is, this is a neat thing they say to Jesus. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We were hoping that he was going to be the Messiah. So Jesus said to them in uh, verse 25 of um, Luke chapter 24, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. When it says he, he started with Moses and all the prophets, he went back to the beginning of what we would call the Old Testament. He went back and he, and he explained to them. He pulled, he pulled verses and he pulled passages and he talked about stories. And he, he explained to them how they were all pointing towards the Messiah. And so we're going to look at a few of those this morning. We're going to look in Genesis chapter 3 to start. And uh, this, this is going way back to the beginning. Adam and Eve were created, the garden, the world was created, um, Adam and Eve were in the garden, the serpent tempted them, they ate the fruit, they sinned, and, and God had consequences uh, for the serpent, for Adam, and for Eve. And this is where we are in Genesis chapter 3, this is God speaking to the serpent. Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and above all the beasts of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Now here's the foretelling of the Messiah to come. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. We just, we just read the angel coming to Mary and saying, you're going to have a son. He will be the son of God, son of the Most High. So Mary's offspring was Jesus. And it's saying here, there'll be enmity between you and the woman, between her offspring and your offspring. Now, Mary's offspring will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. Now, Jesus suffered and died on the cross, fulfilling this bruising the heel. But by his suffering and by his death on, his, on the cross, what did Jesus accomplish? He crushed the head of the serpent. And he, uh, Satan still has influence in the world, but we have victory over sin because of Jesus' death on the cross. This is what this passage back in Genesis chapter 3 is talking about. Uh, there's, there's, there's so many. We see even, even later in Genesis, again, in chapter 12, God promises to Abraham that he would be a great nation. And he said, through you, Abraham, all peoples of the earth will be blessed. And when we look at um, the genealogies of Jesus in the book of Matthew, we see it traces all the way back to Abraham. When we look at the genealogy of Jesus in the book of Luke, chapter 3, it goes all the way back to Adam, who was Eve's wife. So we see that there, there is a fulfillment of this prophecy um, there's some more obvious ones, and we will, we're going to look at a few of those this morning. Uh, the prophet Isaiah was a prophet to Judah in the southern kingdom. He would have prophesied and taught in and around Jerusalem. 
And uh, he, was, he lived and prophesied about 700 years before Jesus was born. So this is what Isaiah said. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Isn't that what the angel said to Mary? You'll conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. You might say, well, that says his name is Emmanuel. The angel said his name was going to be Jesus. You know, is this really talking about Jesus? Well, Matthew thinks so. We just read this, this account of the angel coming to uh, Mary and then Joseph. And in Matthew here, after the, the angel speaks to Joseph in 22, I'm going to read Matthew 22 and 23. You look at Isaiah 7 verse 14. Matthew 22 and 23 says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So Matthew said, Jesus' birth, or the coming of Jesus' birth, that hadn't happened yet, was to fulfill this prophecy of Isaiah 700 years earlier. Uh, we can look in Micah. Micah was also a prophet uh, to the tribe of Judah, the southern um, uh, nation of Israel, the southern tribe. Also, about 700 years before Jesus was born, probably a good chance Micah and Isaiah knew each other. Uh, they were prophesying to the same kings, to the same people. And Micah in chapter 5, verse 2 says this, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Okay, you can say the same thing. Well, okay, there's going to be a ruler out of the town of Bethlehem, but is that really Jesus? Well, you'll remember, and we'll talk about this in the next week or two, when, when the wise men came to King Herod and said, hey, we saw a star in the east. We followed it all the way this far. Where's the king that, is, that was born? Because that's the star we're following. And Herod was like, ah, I don't know. So he called his pastor in, right? He called the chief priests and the scribes and said, where's the king of the Jews that's supposed to be born? Where, where was he supposed to be born? This is the answer that they gave to King Herod. So I'll read uh, from Matthew chapter 2. You guys look at Micah chapter 5. The scribes and the, and, the Pharise- and the chief priests, excuse me, said, in, they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The confirmation of this prophecy is right here in Matthew. Matthew saying this this, this what, Mike, what Micah wrote? He's talking about Jesus to come. One more that we'll, we'll look at that's, that's pretty well known, and this isn't about the birth of Jesus, but it is about the person of Jesus as the Messiah. Um, Zechariah was a prophet and a priest. So um, Micah and Isaiah prophesying to the, to the southern kingdom before they went into exile. We know that Babylon came down destroyed the temple, they destroyed the city, carried the people away, but eventually, 70 years later, some of the people came back and they were rebuilding the temple. And Zechariah was um, one of the priests at the time, he was also a prophet. This is about 520 years before Jesus was born, 
And this is what he said. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humbled and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So again, this isn't a prophecy about his birth, but when Jesus made his entry into Jerusalem the week that he was crucified, what did he tell the disciples to do? He said, go ahead to such and such place. You'll find a donkey. You'll take it. And if he asks you, you'll tell him. And Jesus rode into Jerusalem, uh, being sung to, being praised, and he rode on the donkey. And so Matthew says in Matthew 21, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, he's speaking of Zechariah, but this is Matthew saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Matthew said, hey, what Zechariah wrote, he was writing about Jesus, the Messiah. So as we go through the Old Testament, we have confirmation after confirmation that these guys were foretelling what was to come. I'm going to look at one more. This one's a little bit more obscure, but it's it's worth looking at. Uh, This is one that Moses said, talking about Jesus who was to come. And this was... Towards the end of Moses' life, he had brought the people out of Israel, crossed the Red Sea. They'd spent almost 40 years in the wilderness. And before Moses died and the people were to cross the Jordan River, he gathered them all together and he wanted to just give them the law one more time and just remind them of what had happened at Mount Sinai and the instructions from the Lord. So this is one of the things that he said to them in in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Now that one's maybe a little bit less obvious. Who's this prophet that he's going to raise up? Somebody like Moses, somebody that they'll have to listen to. Um, You know, I think Moses would have said this to the people 1,500 years before Jesus was born. So over that period of 1,500 years, I think about the, the priests and the teachers of the law. You know, when, when Samuel was, was advising King Saul and, and anointing David, were they talking about him? Maybe he's the prophet that Moses talked about. Uh, maybe Elisha or Elijah or Isaiah or Ezekiel. Like maybe these guys, they're thinking about, these were all great prophets. Maybe this is the prophet that Moses had talked about. Well, Peter in the New Testament tells us who Moses is talking about in this passage. Um, in, in After the day of Pentecost, Peter and John were teaching, they were preaching, and they were about to get arrested because they were uh, telling the people, look, Jesus was the Messiah and you crucified him. And this is what Peter said um, about this passage. He said, Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. Peter says, it was Jesus. Jesus was the prophet that was like Moses that was going to be raised up and he was the one to be listened to. Now, okay, I don't know about you, but when I, when I read that, I think to myself, but wasn't Moses kind of a reluctant leader? You know, didn't he say, 
No, he actually, he didn't want to do it, right? He told God, I'm, I'm not up for it. Have my brother Aaron do it. And God said, no, you're the man. And he said, well, I stutter though. At least let me bring him along. He can speak for me, right? Um, I think about Moses and I think, didn't he have an anger problem? You know, he killed somebody in anger one time. He, he, God had told him that water would come from the rock. He was to speak to the rock. He was so fed up with the people and they're complaining though. What did he do? He struck the rock. A bit of an anger problem. I don't see that in Jesus. But Peter says that Jesus is the prophet like Moses. How is that? Let's look at some of the other things in Moses' life. Didn't they both have a king tried to kill them when they were babies? Pharaoh was, had the, the edict out to kill all Hebrew babies. And of course, Herod tried to kill. Well, he did have um, boys under the age of two um, killed. The Bible says they were both sent by God to be deliverers and rulers of their people. All right, we see that by the angel's proclamation. First to Mary that the son that she was going to bear would sit on the throne of David and he would rule forever. And the angel said to Joseph, the son that, you, that Mary's going to bear, he will save the people from their sins. Jesus came both to save from people from their sins and to be ruler. But Stephen, in the New Testament, just before he was stoned, he preached a message and this is what he said about Moses. He said, this Moses whom they rejected, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge? Remember, um, Moses tried to mediate between two Israelites that were fighting the day after he had just killed an Egyptian. And they said to him, who made you ruler and a judge? But this is what Stephen says about Moses. This man, I don't know if I gave it to you guys. This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. Moses and Jesus both had the, the, the job given to them of to be ruler and redeemer. Both of them uh, spent time in Egypt. And of course, that's where Moses lived. But remember, as a baby, he was saved by going into Pharaoh's court. And Jesus was saved from King Herod's order to kill the babies by Mary and Joseph taking him in the middle of the night to the land of Egypt. Moses went up onto Mount Sinai to receive the law. Jesus went up onto the mountain to give the people a new law. Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years after he killed that man before being called to ministry. Jesus, after he was tempted excuse me, before he was tempted and began his ministry, he spent 40 days in the wilderness. There's so many comparisons, um, lots of good resources out there. There's a website called Jews for Jesus had like, I don't know, probably 50 ways that Jesus and Moses were very similar. But I think the, the, when, when Jesus says that a prophet would be raised up like him, one to rule over their people and to Save their people. This is the Jesus that was to come. I think when we read the scripture, we see that even though we can go all the way back to Genesis and see where this promise of, a, uh, of one to come who would save them. We look at Isaiah, Micah, Zechariah. 
I don't think that the, that the Israelites, that the Jewish people had it all put together. I think when Jesus came to Mary and Joseph, it was still a surprise. It was still, when we, when we look at the life of Jesus, they were not expecting Jesus as the Messiah. They didn't have it all put together. Um, and when I, when I think about that, I think about the second coming of Jesus. I don't, believers today, I don't know that we have it all together. There's not a general consensus of when he'll come. Of course, we're told we don't know the time or the hour of how he'll come, what the exact order of events are. But just as the first century Jewish people, they knew that the Messiah was coming, we can be confident that he is coming again. And so I think that there's some things that we can, we can learn from them and that we can be doing to be preparing for that. We're celebrating during Christmas the first coming of Jesus but we can use that as a springboard to be talking about the second coming of Jesus, which is just as important for us, and especially for those who don't know him. Um, Larry did a great job uh, of last week with, uh, of, of teaching us, and he gave us that reply at the end of the message. Do you remember what it was? Just a way to take the Christmas season and, and turn it into a conversation about Jesus. He said, when someone says to you, Merry Christmas... Then you reply, yeah, he, good, good job listening. Yeah, may the Christ of Christmas be your savior. Now that might raise a few eyebrows, right? But it gives you kind of a springboard into a conversation. Let me give you a couple more. We all know that Jesus came. Whether you believe it or not, you know about it if you live in, in North America because you can't miss it. We take a whole month to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And for, for many, it's just about presents and time off work and Christmas trees and lights. But they all know that it has something to do with Jesus' birth. So a simple conversation started. Well, you know Jesus came a long time ago, but did you know he said that he's coming again? And then just remember, you, you all have your phones with you, right? Just remember Luke chapter 14, because you can pull your phone out and you can read this passage to him. I'll read it to you. <laughs> Let not your hearts be troubled. That's a good message for us this year, isn't it? Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Do you know the way? Do you know how to get to where Jesus is today? I hope that you do. Now you're, you're, you may be having a conversation with someone at this point. We're playing, we're doing a little make-believe. We're pretending this is a conversation we're having. What if somebody says, well, no, I don't know the way. That's what Thomas said to Jesus. Thomas had been with him for three years. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Oh, so glad, to, so glad that you asked. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Just, a, just an easy way to start a conversation with somebody this year. We're celebrating Christmas because Jesus came once. Did you know he's coming again? Let me tell you about it. You could turn to John chapter 14. Uh, another passage that you could use. You're talking about Christmas. Uh, talking about how busy Christmas can be. Anybody that Christmas is a busy season for them? Right? Ever have a conversation with someone about how busy Christmas is? Anybody? Did you know how busy Bethlehem was when Jesus was born? It was a busy place. They were having a census that year. But they didn't send people out to count people. Everyone had to go to their hometown. And so when Mary and Joseph arrived, Mary's pregnant, about ready to burst at the seams. And they went to the, ho- to the hotel. There's no room for them in the inn. The, the, the town was just hopping. There was so much going on. They, just, they found a place for them in the stable. And, and the birth was hardly noticed except that the angels went to the shepherds and announced it to them. If it wasn't for that, maybe nobody would have even known there was a baby born there that night. But you know the Bible tells us that when Jesus comes again, we're all going to take notice? Okay, remember, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So you got John chapter 14 in your mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You get your phone out. You scroll to it real quick. This is, towards, this is at the end of the chapter. And this is Paul's telling them, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And you could read more about the passages talking about when Jesus returns. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall all be changed. This is, this is an event that people will take notice of. It won't be like the first coming. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Who's looking forward to that? Man, I was sore after that turkey bowl. I'm ready to be able to run around and not have any aches, pains. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Where is it? There is not in Christ. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can have victory over sin because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. Do I have one more verse there? Therefore, my beloved, in light of this second coming of Jesus, the fact that we have victory over death... Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Just a conversation starter. And here's a passage that you could go to, to kind of, it's talking about Christ's return, but it also talks about the victory we have over sin because of what Jesus did on the cross. So remember, John chapter 14 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You've got your phones. You can pull them out. You don't have to memorize the passage. You can have a conversation this Christmas um, when you talk about the busyness of life and, and, and just how crazy things are. You could talk about Bethlehem and just lead into this. Um, if, if you're talking about someone who's just maybe upset, maybe uncertain, uh, 
You know, you can say, you know, Jesus came once and he said, we don't have to be troubled because he's coming again. And then you jump right into John chapter 14 with him. We can, we can be and we need to be the ones sharing the true meaning of Christmas this season. You won't miss the lights. You won't miss the presents. Uh, you won't miss the Christmas carols. They're everywhere. Everyone's taking care of that for you. But the fact that Jesus came as a baby, that he died on the cross for our sins, and that he is coming back for his church, that'll be missed if we don't talk about it. So that's our responsibility this Christmas season, is to be sure that the true meaning of Christmas isn't lost in the hustle, the bustle, uh, the invitations, the gatherings, the lights, the trees, the presents. We have the opportunity this Christmas season to be sharing the true meaning of Christmas. So I hope this morning that we can see from the beginning to end, God's word's true. And there's some verses in there that you're in passages, you're like, man, I don't know what that's there for. You can take time and study and see how cohesive it is from cover to cover. But also, as a result of that, we need to be ready to share about the second coming of Jesus. Everyone's talking about the first coming this month. Let's turn that conversation towards his second coming to be sure that, first of all, that we're ready for his return, but then that our friends, that our family, that our neighbors, that our coworkers, that they're ready, that they know that Jesus is coming again. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son from heaven to come to this earth in human form, knowing that uh, his life purpose would be to live a sinless life in obedience to you, uh, but then to willingly go to the cross to pay for our sins. Lord, I pray that um, there wouldn't be a person in here this morning that would leave rejecting that message. That if there's anyone who this morning would, would say, man, I've never... I never really believed that. Maybe never even heard it. But maybe heard it and said, oh, that's, that's, good. that's good for other people, but I, that's not for me. Lord, you want each one of us to be in a relationship with you. And it's just as simple as acknowledging uh, that you're a sinner and recognizing that God sent Jesus to earth for sinners. Uh, for people like you, for people like me. And saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe it. Thank you for saving me. Uh, you can come to the front this morning and, and talk with someone and pray with someone uh, about those truths or anything else this morning. But Lord, I pray that as your followers, it would be in our hearts and in our minds this Christmas season. Um, as, as your first coming is, I mean, it is the talk of, on, on everyone's lips right now. But we would use opportunities that you give us. Lord, I know that you give us opportunities to share about you, that we would use those uh, to turn conversations towards you about how uh, you didn't just come as a baby, but you died on the cross and you promised you would return for those who put their faith and trust in you. Lord, I pray that that would be included in the, uh, the good tidings and the greetings and the, um, the celebrations that we're going to participate in this month. Thank you for loving us so much that you did that on our behalf. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.